Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come now. And would you meet us in this place? We thank you that, Lord, just as we look back over Scripture, and whenever Moses asked, who should I say sends me when I come before Pharaoh, the most important and powerful man in the world? And the Lord, you said, say, I am that I am sent you. Lord, we thank you that whenever you sat with a woman at the well, and she said, one day the Messiah will come, one day the person who promised us and who will make all this better, it will save us. One day he'll come. And he said, the one who speaks to you, I am he. We thank you today, Lord God, that you are the I am that I am. And there is power in your name. And we thank you today that just as the prophet Isaiah stood in your presence in that vision, he became completely undone because he realized what it meant to be in the presence of a holy God. That, Lord, today we have that access because of Jesus. Lord, we thank you today that you've gone in and you allow us to be able to stand in your presence with arms lifted high, with songs of praise being lifted up, Lord. It's because we've gone from being your enemy to being your friend, Lord God. You've saved us, you've redeemed us, and you put a song in our heart. And today we thank you for it. And we thank you today that you're the great I am. And that you have the power to work in every life, in every situation, Lord God. Nothing is impossible for you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd be poured out today in power. We pray that we'd experience the presence of God in a way that would leave us changed. That we would not be the same on the other side of this experience today with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You could be seated. Can we give it up again for Jared? Thank you so much for leading us in for Matt. They did a great job. And... After service, if you want to pick up some of their stuff, you'll see that there's some tables in the foyer set up with some of their albums, and uh, you'll be blessed by that. My name is Pastor Chris, and we are welcoming you here to Evangel Church this morning. We're glad to have you with us. We are in a series of messages entitled The Games of Life, and this is the last week of this series. So uh, I don't know about you, I've really enjoyed being a part of it. I know that the Lord has been challenging me as I've been diving into God's Word, and my prayer is that He's challenged you as well. Uh, we are on Baby Watch, so my phone is on. Let me make sure it's on. And if I get a call, then I will drop this and someone else will come up and finish the message for me. Or you can come right to the altars and begin to pray. Uh, but pray for us. I, I'm believing that by the time I see you next that we will uh, we'll have that uh, bundle of joy, Josiah, that he'll be here with us. Pray for a healthy delivery whenever the Lord uh, brings that time around for us. Uh, but I was praying, Lord, give me the opportunity to speak this Sunday. Once, uh, once we got through part of the week, I felt like as we dove into God's word that, uh, that he has something for us today. Something that's going to challenge us. Something that's going to meet us and lead us forward. So uh, I pray that you would uh, dive in. I pray that you get your notes ready if you're taking notes and that you'd open your hearts to what the Lord has for us today. Uh, first thing we do whenever we've gone through these messages, we take a look at a game that we can remember from our childhood growing up. And uh, instead of bringing out a little tiny one, I'd like to make a life-size one for you. So the game we're looking at today is the game Battleship. How many of you remember playing Battleship growing up, right? This looks pretty close, right? Pretty close to it. And so the idea of the game of Battleship is a tactical combat game. And you sit across from another person, and each of you has one of these. Uh, and, and what this is, this is meant to be the water. And this is meant to be your area and where you place your ships. And so you have a series of small uh, different sizes 
uh, ships that you place down and you place them in any order that you want. The idea is that the person across from you doesn't see where your ship is. He doesn't know where it is and where you've placed all of them. And the same is true for them. And what you then begin to do is yell out these commands. You begin to say A7. And whenever you say A7, you take a look there. You'd say A7. The person would look on their side and see if one of their ships was there. If it isn't, they'd say miss. And so then you'd put a little white peg in there, and you'd know that you've missed. You'd go back and forth. You'd say another one. You'd miss again. Then you'd say, you know, B6. And whenever you say B6, they say, oh, hit. If it was hit, you took one of these red ones and you put that in. And that's how you knew that you caused damage. And as you continue on, you'll continue to go and then you start trying because then you figure out, well, where is this ship at? And you continue to call it more and you hit again. And then you hit again. And before long, they'll say, you sunk a ship. You sunk my battleship. And so you can sink a lot of different ships. You can go through the process and you can hit and cause all kinds of damage. But the name of the game is Battleship because when you sink the battleship, the game is over. They're utterly defeated. So I want to walk back through that again. I want you to really think about how this game is played, how it connects to life. You go through this process of saying these different things. And sometimes what you say, it doesn't cause any pain, any destruction, anything. Other times, though, what you say causes pain, causes destruction, and ultimately is meant to allow the other person to be defeated completely. Whenever I think about this, I go to God's word and I am reminded in Proverbs, along with a lot of other areas, what the Bible has to say about the power of our words. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I want to tell you today, when you think about the game Battleship moving forward, and a game where your goal is that you are just spelling out these commands, saying these things and causing as much damage as possible, remember that what you say, the tongue has the power of life and death. When we consider that, and we consider the game Battleship, remember that as you're playing and as you're saying all those things, you have no real idea of the damage that you're causing. You have no real idea on what's going on on the other side and how much damage is being sustained. All you have is a very limited view of what's going on. The same is true that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And often we have no idea the damage that is being uh, taken and the damage that's being occurred whenever we speak in ways that don't honor the Lord. And so this message today is going to be us taking a look a bit deeper at this warning from Scripture about the power of the tongue having life and death, very serious and serious um, ramifications associated with it. In fact, as we look here, if you think about this, how many of you have heard this verse before? You're familiar with it. This isn't the first time you've heard it, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Let me see your hands. Many of you have heard it. How many of you have memorized the second half of the verse? It's all the same verse, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You say, Pastor, what does this mean? Well, I've thought about this, and as I've looked at it and, and taken a look at this, it's reminded me of something that I had to deal with whenever I was a child. And so I'm going to tell you a few stories today where I'm going to give you a peek into my childhood. Please don't judge me. Uh, please. And please don't talk about me afterwards, or you'll be going right against the message. No. 
but I'm going to open up a bit to you about a few things that happened to me when I was a child and things I got in some pretty big trouble for. Uh, first was, uh, when I was growing up, my mom would make two kinds of meals normally. The kind of meals that I would eat and the kind of meals that I didn't want to eat. Many of you can relate, right? And so at times, if I got one of those meals I didn't want to eat, uh, it was a pretty rough night because I wasn't allowed to leave the dinner table until I was finished. Anyone else grow up in that kind of house? Got to be done. And so my mom, bless her heart, she had bought this beautiful big pottery vase that had a little tiny hole. So it kind of, it was like 30 gallons and it came up to a, to a small hole. And she set it right next to my seat at the dinner table, up against the wall. Now let me say before I go on, she's the one that put it there. And so whenever I had one of those meals that I didn't like to eat and time was going on, I would start to go to the mouth, into the hand, into the pot. Into the mouth, into the hand, into the pot. Okay, so this went on for weeks. I didn't realize that, you know, there would be a tell sign that, uh, that, that I was, I was going to get caught. The food started to smell inside of it, right? And so that pottery was no longer with us, was no longer with my mom, was no longer in our house, and I got in some trouble for that. But as I thought about it, and I reflected as I was tucking that away every single time, I thought, what happens if I get caught and my mom takes that pottery and she opens it up and makes me eat all the food that's in there? <laughs> Could you imagine how disgusting that would be? That like in a moment, it would just all be in front of me on the dinner table. So, well, you got to finish it. Now you're not leaving until it's all done. She didn't do that. But could you imagine what that would be like? Here's what the Bible says. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Have you ever heard the term, you eat your words? Could you imagine, same way, imagine that. I had to sit there and all of that mess, all of that filth, all of that stuff just gets dumped in front of me and now it's right there at the table and I have to eat of it again. Bible says for better or for worse, life or death, that if we love it, whatever it is, we will eat of its fruit. That if we are allowing for death to be in the power of our tongue, if we're using our words, if we are wielding our tongue in that way, and that power is being used in a negative way, guess what? At some point or another, we're going to sit at the table and eat of it. So as we see that there's a warning that comes here, it's not just an idea, it's not just a principle, it's a warning that is associated with it. Be very mindful of how you use your tongue. Be very mindful of the very words that you speak. And so as we look at this, we continue through Scripture, and you'll find many occurrences that give similar warnings. But we're going to focus on a chapter in the New Testament. It's the book of James, towards the end of uh, the Bible. I'm going to encourage you to turn there today to James chapter 3. And there's a whole section where James begins to unfold and share warning after warning about the power of the tongue and the wisdom that we need to operate in so that it can be controlled in a way that would bring honor to God and not cause pain and offense and damage. So we're going to look here in James chapter 3. And what we're going to find is that there are four word pictures that are associated in this passage with the tongue. The tongue is used in four ways to connect to a picture. And I'm going to try to even show you pictures through this so that you can understand really what he's referring to. So let's first look at verse 2 of James chapter 3. It says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So here's what, he, here's what James says, no one's perfect. 
there's anyone perfect here today, you can head out. You don't need to listen to this message. You can preach next week. Uh, Whenever we look at our lives and we look at one another, we realize none of us are perfect. In, In fact, he goes on to say, if anyone has not stumbled in what he says, then he is perfect. So we all have said things that we regret, that we should not have said. Is there anyone here that has said something that you have regretted, something you knew that you should not have said? The rest of you, you're lying. <laughs> we've, we've all done that. We've all stumbled in what we've said at some point or a time or another. We've said something and realized, oh, I wish I could take that back. I wish I didn't say that. I wish I just could have. And you know how they say it, just like toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out, once it's out, it's not going back in. You're not putting it back in. There's not much you can do about that. And so James is talking about everyone. And guess what? When I'm sharing this today, all of us are at a different point in this journey, in this process, that our words, how we speak, what we say has caused us to stumble or others to stumble along the way. So here are the four pictures. I'm going to show them to you up here in a list so that you could see them again. It says that the tongue is a bit, it is a rudder, It is a fire and it is a spring. Those are the four pictures that we're going to get today of the tongue. And so let's start with verse 3 and looking at what it means that the tongue is a bit. It says, now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we can direct their entire body as well. So he says, look, if we put the bit into the horse's mouth so that they'll obey us and we direct Not just their mouth, we direct the entire body. So this is a picture of a horse's bit. And this goes into the mouth of a horse, and you'll see it right there on the side. See that ring that comes out? That's how a horse is normally controlled as someone is riding it. And so if you pull them to the right, then they're going to go to the right. If you pull to the left, they'll go to the left. If you pull back, they'll stop. The whole way that the bit works is that as you're directing and pulling it applies pressure to the tongue. It suppresses the tongue and that causes the horse to stop or to obey in whatever direction. So if you control the tongue, you control the entire body. What James is saying that is the same for us. If you control the tongue, you're actually controlling the entire body. And whatever has or whoever has control of your tongue is controlling you, whether you realize that or not. And so the, the tongue is being used to direct you and to lead you and guide you. He reinforces this by doubling down on this very idea. And so he gives another picture to reinforce the very same truth. He said, okay, it's like a horse's bit. It's also like the rudder of a ship. And so look what he says in verse 4. Look at the ships. Also, though they are so great and driven by strong winds, I think sails and winds, However, by a very small rudder, they're directed. And it's at the inclination of wherever the pilot or the captain wishes for them to go. So he said, think about this giant ship in this small rudder directing it everywhere it goes. It's not the power behind it, but ultimately it's guiding and leading. If the rudder is heading towards trouble, towards rocks, if it's pointed in that direction, then guess what? The ship's going there as well. To see what a picture of a rudder looks like, this is it. It's on the back of a ship and it's a little piece of wood normally. Such a small percentage of the size of the entire ship, but whenever that piece of wood shifts just a little bit, it changes the course of the entire ship. Realize that your tongue has that same power in your life. That it can 
move you in a direction. I want to tell you, if, if by your mouth you're sinning and you're continually doing these things, don't honor God, guess what? Your life is going to go in that direction. If your mouth is used to praise God, to glorify the Lord, to lift him up, to edify others, to come into obedience with what God's word says, and guess what? Your life then soon follows after as well. It's like a rudder. It's like a bit. It's leading and directing your life. Just like a ship, whenever you consider that, how the rudder would be used during that time. So we see these two pictures. First the bit, now the rudder. And it controls and leads and guides. When we get to the third picture, the third picture is that the tongue is a fire. So it moves from something that's meant to direct and lead and guide you to something that is dangerous and you need to be warned about. Look what it continues to say here as we go into verse 5. It says, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. I want you to take a look here at this picture of a match. And imagine with me a small match. And you can see an entire forest set ablaze by that. One spark in a very dry place can cause fires that are ravaging through even our nation now. I was watching the news a few nights ago. Over 3,000 acres have been burned up by a, a forest fire that they are trying to get under, under wraps. And once it gets started, it's very hard to put out. The same is true of the words we speak. The same is true of the tongue. It says it's a fire. This is story number two of two for me today. Uh, as I was young, I was in fifth grade going into sixth grade, and that summer when we were off from school, my friends and I had a great idea. We wanted to build a clubhouse. And so we went and we sold our comic books and we sold our action figures. There was a guy that owned a paint store. God bless him. I don't know, I don't know if I need to say God bless him because he kind of took all my toys away from me. Uh, if we went up with toys, action figures, or comic books, he would equate a value to them and then trade us for supplies to go build our clubhouse. So I'm not sure who got the better end of the bargain or not, but, uh, but he would let us come in. We'd trade him some toys, and then he'd give us nails, paint, whatever we needed. We built this great clubhouse in the woods. It even had carpeting. Sure, right under the carpet was mud and dirt, but it's okay. It was our clubhouse. We liked it all the same. And uh, by the end of that summer, we realized there was one thing that our clubhouse was missing, a fireplace. And that was the end of the clubhouse. <laughs> and that was uh, the first time I ever got to see a fire truck up close and personal as a whole section of the woods behind my house caught on fire. And that was the last time I saw the outside for a month or two. I can't remember. I'm sorry, Mom. She's probably watching online. You remember that, right? And I watched how something so small took up an entire area and became overwhelming in a matter of seconds. The Bible says the tongue is a fire. Look what it says in verse 6. It says, the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members. It's also that which defiles the entire body. It sets on fire the course of our life. And it is set on fire by hell. When the enemy has control, it's like think about the fires of hell burn through the tongue, and when it's used in that way, it could set the course of your life on fire. There could be so much pain that could be caused with words. 
Some of you think that, you know what, if they're not showing a bruise, if they're not showing some physical sign on the outside that there's been pain, then everything's okay. No, I want to tell you there are people that are walking around with wounds you could never imagine because you only see what's on the surface. But behind the scenes, people have been walking around having gone through abuse, words that have been said about you that have shaped your life, that have hurt you, that have wounded you to your core. Some of you know firsthand what this means. You know firsthand what it means to be burnt by someone's words, to be hurt by them, to feel defiled by that. Some of you have seen the other side of it. You've sat at the table and you've seen firsthand just how destructive your words have been in someone else's life, just how much you've caused pain, just how much you've caused difficulty, just how much you've caused uh, so much that you would regret and would not even want to talk about today or even remember or acknowledge. The Bible is clear that in the same way that a, that a fire can get out of hand, the tongue can get out of hand. It can be uncontrollable. Look what it says in, in verse 7. It says, Every species of the beasts and the birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, they are tamed and have been tamed by the human race. Look, when you go back to Genesis, God gave dominion over all the living creatures. He said, you're going to rule over. You're going to have authority over them. They will obey you. They'll be tamed by you. And so imagine, there is every animal that we see, everything that we would read about there, every one of them tamed. But verse 8 says this, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. We think about that. Something that's full of poison, something that can corrupt, something that causes so much pain. Some of you feel, have felt that poison that has come from the tongue when, when that kind of word has been spoken against you. Again, some of you have been on the sending end of that and you've seen the destruction. And some, you've not even been aware of the pain that is being caused by the words that you've been speaking. Wherever you are, I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today, to nudge you, to reveal to you where you're at. Don't look in the mirror every morning in the mirror in your bedroom and realize that's who you are. Look in the mirror of God's word and say, Lord, who am I? What does your word say and how have I been acting? Don't sit around justifying, well, this is, no, go to his word. Let that picture be in front of you and say, how are my words? How is my tongue being used? Where is it leading me? Where is it guiding me? When we look about it, the first two pictures that we're given is that the word, the tongue, those words literally lead and direct someone's life. It was amazing. I was talking with one of our staff members, Bobby Nemeth, who's our discipleship coordinator here, and we were going over uh, the message for, for today, and he is normally helping to put together the small group resources that go along with this and the small groups that you've been a part of. And as we were talking and reflecting on this, he said, you know, this really became clear to me, this is Bobby speaking, whenever I was working with my father on some things around my house. See, Bobby's been doing a lot of work around the house, and, and his dad is very good and very talented in that way, and he has a background in construction and remodeling. And as he was teaching Bobby some things very recently, maybe a week or so ago, he said to him, you know, I wish you would have, you know, applied yourself more to some of these things, and I didn't have to teach them to you. You'd already know what to do. And Bobby said, but you don't remember what you said to me, Dad, when I was very, very young. He said, I looked at your hands that were so worn out, so worked. And you said, Bobby, you never want to have hands like these. Apply yourself. Go to school. Go so that you don't ever have to do this kind of manual work that I'm doing. And Bobby said, I, I did that, and I've just applied myself, and I'm going in this different direction. It's not a better, it's not a worse, it's different. And Bobby said he reflected on how his brother was never given that admonition. Instead, 
he, his father kind of took him alongside and said, yeah, come and work with me. Come make your hands just like mine. And that's exactly what his brother did. And so you have two people that are now going in these completely different career trajectories. Why? Because of words that were spoken to them when they were young. Like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear that, and that's going to kind of shape the direction that I'm going. Have you realized how easily that can happen inside of your life? How much it can create a path that you'll begin to walk? Now, some of them, it's, it, it's not good or bad. One of those isn't better than the other. But can you see where that can go south? Can you see where that can turn on its head? Can you see whenever someone says you're worthless, you're nothing, you're this, that someone just starts walking in that path? When someone looks to God's word and they realize, you know, I'm a child of God, I'm adopted, I, I, I am his, he loves me, I'm the apple of his eye, he has forgiven me, he has continued to bless my life, that whenever you walk in that, it takes you in a whole different path. Some of us, you walk around and you're just walking around because that's the path that's been dug for you. Those are the words that you've just, you've bought into the lie and you're walking in it today. Can you see how it sets a course? It blazes a trail for your life on what direction you'll go. That's the power of the tongue, the Bible says. And finally, there's a final picture that's given that James gives and it's a very important one and it's a question that's given with it. Whenever he talks about this picture, it says the tongue is a stream. And he asks a very penetrating question whenever he, he says this. He says in verse 11, does a fountain send out the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Does a stream, does a fountain, can it send forth sweet water and bitter water? No, it's all mixed together. It's impossible for that to happen that there will be good water and bad water. It's impossible that that can continue on in that way. He said, ultimately, it's going to be one or the other. It's inconceivable in the same way then for a tongue to be double-minded in that way. It's inconceivable that someone that is under the lordship of Jesus Christ could, in one word, and this is exactly when we go back and we look in James chapter 3, in verse 9, he says, With the tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, most blessing and cursing. From the same mouth, praise to God and poison to our brother. He said, Brethren, how can this be? It should not happen this way. We can't be double-minded. We can't have a double tongue. Because ultimately, ultimately what flows out of our life, what flows out of our mouth is a reflection of what's going on in our heart. What flows out of our mouth is a reflection on what's going on in our heart. When Jesus is speaking in two different gospels, he gives this very statement. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, here's what it says. The good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. Look at the rest of this verse. For his mouth speaks from what fills his heart. Your mouth is speaking what is in some way filling your heart. What's streaming out has a beginning point in your heart. Something there needs to be addressed. For some of you, you realize there are times 
that your words have gotten the best of you, that you have tamed every part of your life. You have seen yourself come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and you're walking in every way to please him. But there will be moments when your mouth gets out in front of you, when your tongue blasts out and there are things that you say, you say, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I want to tell you, it wasn't anywhere else. It came from here. There's something going on there, a hurt. There's something that the Lord still needs to work with because it's out of that, what's filling in your heart, what's there is flowing out. And it's one of the things that's, that's a fruit. It's something that's coming out of your mouth and it's showing you where the root is. The Bible says it's in the heart. There's something there that still needs to be addressed. And the tongue has that outlet. It becomes an outlet. It becomes something that causes so much pain that sometimes we can never take that back once that word has been spoken. And... Matthew, and, and Luke says it out of that, and same, same in Matthew, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow, out of what's coming out of the heart is going to season your words, good or bad. So as you go through this, you can see these pictures. You see the picture of a bit. You see the picture of a rudder. You see the picture of a fire and even a small fire and how much damage it can cause. You see the picture of a stream that flows out. Could you imagine with me, well, where's the bitter part and where's the sweet part of the street? It's a stream. It's one part. It's all mixed together there. And so we see these, three picture, or these four pictures and we understand just how important the tongue is and, and just how much it leads, it directs, and it causes so much that happens inside of our lives for better or for worse. Something that's so powerful. And as we continue to look here, we can see firsthand why the Bible gives us such a clear, clear warning about how we are to handle this. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to give you a practical tool that you can tuck away, that you could write down and you could remember for how to just take some steps forward to get this issue of the tongue in a place where it can be under the control of the Lord uh, more. And so I want you to just think before you speak, okay? Is that clear? Think before you speak. So we're going to just walk through this here. And there are five questions you can ask yourself as you are getting ready to speak. And it's going to help you in this area. It's just going to be a way of you just continuing to reflect on this. If you think, first, you ask the question, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? Because here's what you need to remember. It's, there's a rule about most gossip. The more interesting it is, the more likely it's false. So is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? H, is it helpful are my words here to bring about a solution? Are they going to help bring a resolution to a problem? Is what I'm going to say helpful? I, inspiring. Will your words build up or will they tear down? Are your words inspiring others? N, is it necessary? Do I have anything to say at all? If you look here, actually, I'll, I'll ask you to bring up, I believe it's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. It's a little bit earlier in the slides. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So is it necessary? Because sometimes we talk to talk, but here's what you need to know. Where there are many, there is abundance of words, transgression is inevitable. The more you speak, the more likely you are that you're going to cause a transgression. You're going to cause an issue through that. So be, be mindful. Is it necessary for me to say something? And K, is it kind? Are my words based on a heart that truly cares for others, that sees them the way Jesus sees them? Is it 
true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind. Think before you speak. And even through that process, I'm trusting that the Lord will lead and guide and allow some of that discipline that used to be in your life come back to help you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to take every thought captive. I'm going to watch how I speak. I'm going to keep mind over that. It's a responsibility that we are given in Scripture that we take responsibility for that in many ways. And even at the end of the day, as you try your very best, you will find that at some point or another it may get out of control. Some of you say, I've tried everything. Thank you. I'm going to take this and tuck it away. But I've tried everything. I have prayed. I've done everything. And, and it's still out of control. And I don't know what to do. And I, I gave my life to Jesus. But the last part of me to go is my mouth. It's my tongue. It's holding on for dear life. I'm saying things that is, are a part. They're like ingrained in me. I don't know what to do. I want to tell you that God gives us incredible, incredible, incredible truths and promises in his word. And one of the promises, for some of you today, you feel like an orphan. You feel like you don't have anyone to help you with this area. You feel all alone. You've been crying out to God and you just don't know what to do and where to turn. When Jesus is talking to his followers in John chapter 16, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you helpless. He said, but there's someone that's coming. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose it to you, what is to come. So here's what he says. I'm not going to leave you as orphan. I'm sending you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And did you catch? I want you to look at the pictures, the word pictures that we showed today from James. What were the first two? The rudder and the bit for leading and guiding. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take the reins. He will lead you into truth. Not lead you down paths towards pain, destruction. Not going to lead you in any other way. He's going to lead you into truth. Into all truth. And he's going to speak. He's not going to speak anything else but what he's hearing from the Father. He's not going to speak of his own initiative. He's going to be disclosing to you that which the Father is showing. And so we get a picture of the Holy Spirit as the one who would come. When Jesus left, he would come and he would lead us now into all truth. As he continues on, Jesus gives another picture in John chapter 7. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come up at this time. The picture that he gives, and, and this takes place as they are getting ready to conclude a feast. It's a great feast where all people have come together from all different places. And the final day of the feast is a day of mourning. It's a day of waiting. It's a day where people... Uh, would actually have an emptied kind of bowl thing, cistern, because it shows they're still needing the Lord to show up. And it's a time where they were meant to fast and, and mourn. And as they're there in the last, late, last and greatest day of the feast, the Bible says, Jesus stands up as everyone's quiet and hushed. And he says in a loud voice, is anyone thirsty? And you can imagine he grabbed everyone's attention. And he said, he who believes in me as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And the Bible then goes on to say in the very next verse, but this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. And those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he says, he gives a promise. He said, if you believe in me, 
if you believe in me, then out of your life is going to flow, just like a stream flowing out of you, rivers of living water. And by this, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, if you go all the way back to John 4, Jesus said the same thing to her. He said, if you ask me, then I'll give you living water. It'll be like streams of living water welling up to eternal life. It says he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out in this way because he had not yet been glorified. And so we see Jesus then continues in his ministry. He dies on a cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, giving us the hope of eternity, giving us another promise that where he is and where he went to prepare a place for us, we will be one day in eternity in heaven. And when he came back and he walked among people for 40 days, he revealed himself and he made a promise to them. He told them to wait because the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. And as he spent 40 days with them, as he stood on a hillside and gave his final address, said, wait in Jerusalem, don't leave, because in a short while you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses here and to the ends of the earth. He said, when this happens, you will be my witnesses. So he then ascends into heaven and the people wait upon him. But this promise is that we have not been left alone. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Why? So we could be a witness. So that we can share about him. So that we could speak out about who Jesus is. So that whenever people looked at the life of a believer, they see Jesus. When people listen to the words of a believer, they'd hear Jesus and the good news of what he's done. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to testify. You're going to tell the world about who I am. And it's all going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's see what happens on the day of Pentecost, which we are celebrating and commemorating today. It says on that day, that was 10 days later, 50 days after, Jesus died for our sins 50 days later. It says all the believers were together in one place when the day of Pentecost came. And suddenly, someone say suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in what? Other tongues as the Spirit was giving them the utterance. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come and take the bit take the wheel of the rudder and lead and guide into all truth. He says the Holy Spirit will come and will become like a rushing living water flowing out of your life. And on the day of Pentecost, there was fire from heaven that fell down. And it said tongues of fire distributing themselves and rested. And each person was filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke out in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Isn't it amazing that on the first day that the Holy Spirit was poured out, the very first thing that he took control of was the tongues of man. Do you know why? Because of everything we've just talked about today. And I want to tell you something today. Today the Holy Spirit desires to be poured out in your life anew, to be poured out afresh in you. In the very first area, we see that as that happens, it happens with the tongue. And there are tongues that happen on that day People from all around the known world of the time had gathered together. 
And when they were there, it was, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. And they hear these sounds as these people are speaking in other tongues. Tongues that it says they did not know, but the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Because why? He's leading, guiding into all truth. Streams of living water flowing out. And as they spoke out, all people could hear from every tribe, every nation around. They could just hear God being praised in their own languages. And they're saying, how do these people know all of our language? It wasn't. It was the Holy Spirit giving the ability for them to utter those things and share those things. What they received on that day was a different kind of baptism, church. Not the baptism that we celebrated a few weeks ago where someone was immersed underwater and it was a sign that they now belong to Jesus Christ. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what it says, in the same way that he promised it, like streams of living water flow out, that when you and I come to faith in Jesus, the Bible says we receive the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in us. But there's this other event that happens, different than our salvation experience, different than our water baptism experience, where the Holy Spirit is poured out into your life to a point of overflowing. And that overflowing comes out, and it's shown even through the, that, that physical sign, audible sign of tongues being shared. It's a symbol that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is now taking control even of the mouths of man. Something that could be cause for destruction. Something of so much power now under the control of God and the Holy Spirit to bring life. Because this man, Peter, one of the great examples of someone that understood that life and death was in the power of the tongue. That he would say things that he wished he could have taken back. One of them was, I will follow you to the ends of the earth and I'll fight for you, Jesus. And then he's standing there denying him hours later. Talk about someone who says something they wish they could take back. This man who continued to put his foot in his mouth on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit filled him, whenever he spoke out in tongues, whenever he came under the authority and power of the Holy Spirit in that way, he stood up on that day and he spoke out about Jesus. He was a witness for him. And on that day, 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Come on. That shows it firsthand right there. It shows it. Living proof of what happens in the life of a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit and has experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to give us an opportunity on Pentecost Sunday to just spend time at this altar experiencing the promise of God. And I saw last service, people were filled and God touched lives. Today, if you're in a dry place, Today, if you're in a place where maybe you had been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you just feel that you need a fresh filling today, you need him just to pour himself out anew, I'm going to invite you to these altars. Today, if you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to invite you forward to take a step and to open yourself up and say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And as I prepare to do that, I want to just tell you my story very briefly. See, for me, I came to Christ at a youth camp. And as I was there at that youth camp and as I heard the message of Jesus on a Monday night, I responded and gave my life to, to him. About two days later, I'm back in the same service, same speaker. His name's Greg Hubbard. He's been here before and ministered to us. He's sharing and he said, you know what, if you gave your life to Jesus, that's amazing and God's working, but there's something more he has for you. So if you want to be used by him, if you want to be a witness for him, if you want to live your life for his purposes, then he will fill you with his Holy Spirit to give you the power and the ability to do that. 
And I didn't understand even what that meant. But when he gave that opportunity, I said, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I don't want a little bit. I don't want to be, um, I, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be all in. I want everything you have for me. And so I ran up to that altar not knowing what I was doing. I came forward. I probably had read a page of scripture in my whole life at that point in time. And it wasn't Acts chapter 2. It was probably the story of Noah or something like that. So I didn't know much of anything. And I'm standing up there and I just started to sing. And I'm looking at the words, and I don't even know the words yet because I just come to Christ. And I'm trying to sing the words out, close my eyes as I got kind of the hang of it. And as I'm singing, other words are coming out of my mouth that I had never known before. And as I'm looking, I stop, and I'm thinking, what just happened to me? And I did it again, and that's what happened again. And so then I left. I just removed myself from the whole service. I went, I stood outside. So I had no idea what was happening. After the service, some people came and talked to me. I looked a little sheepish, and I said, I spoke in another language when I was trying to sing up at the front there at the end. And they said, no, look at this. And they pulled out the Bible and they opened it up and they showed me and I read. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In that moment, I realized just how real and living our God is and that he pours out his Holy Spirit on his church. And he's still pouring out his Spirit on his church. And I want to tell you, it filled me with a boldness to go and share Christ with my friends, with my loved ones, with my families. I had a different boldness, a different power, a different passion, a different ability to speak than I had before. And that's what he wants for you as well. So I want you to know that this isn't a big dramatic thing. It's not something that you need to know anything about anything about anything. The only thing you need to know is, do I want everything that God has for me? And do I want to be used for his purposes? Too many people want to chase after the power of the Holy Spirit without understanding the purpose of the Holy Spirit, right? And it's not about the power, it's about the purpose. And if you want to live for him, if you want to be used for him, if you want to be a, a witness for him, then we have a father who loves us and who will answer our prayer. And so for that reason, then you come forward in just a moment. Let's all stand, actually. Let's just begin to pray. And as you come forward, then you come forward and you pray. And we're going to believe that our good, good God, our loving Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, the Spirit baptizer, that he will pour out his spirit anew and afresh today. So if I'm describing you at this moment, I want you to step out of your seat. Everyone, if you need a fresh filling today, if you've already been filled but you want to come and meet at these altars, and if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you right in this moment, come right out of your seats and walk to this altar. Just come and stand right now. Come on. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed. This isn't anything to look down on. Today, if you know life and death is in the power of the tongue, you say, Holy Spirit, I want you to take control of my tongue at this moment. I want you to come right out of your seat. And we're just going to come down here at this altar. Come on in. We're going to take the next 10 minutes or so. And we're going to just focus in on the Lord. We're going to spend these moments worshiping him, lifting our voices, and crying out to the Lord who loves us. So if that's you, if I'm describing you, just come out of your seats right now. Right now, if that's you and you're around someone and you're going to be nervous about what they're going to say if you start to sing out loud, then remove yourself. Come forward. Go to a corner of the room. This is about just spreading out and just spending time. And we're going to believe together that God's going to fill this house with his Holy Spirit the same way we saw on the day of Pentecost. So come on, right where you're at. Come out of your seats. If you're in the balcony, come out. Spread out. Just get away from anyone that might be around you so you can just cry out to the Lord and not feel held back in any way. Let's go right now before the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you today that you're such a good God. We thank you today that you love us. We thank you today that you have a plan for us. We thank you today that there is a promise of power from on high to fill our lives, Lord God. We pray today that we know that life and death is in the power of the tongue. We see all of those things, Lord God, but today we yield every part of ourselves to you. Lord, we want to be a vessel used by you for your purpose, for your glory, for your honor, Lord God. Fill our mouths with praise today, Lord God. Fill our mouths with blessing today, Lord God. Lord, may no longer any part of our life, Lord God, be 
be used in any other way than to give you honor and praise and glory. Today, Lord, we call out to you. Lord, there are those that are thirsty. There are those that are in a dry place. Lord, God, pour out your spirit upon them today. There are those that are in the valley, Lord God, that have seen no rain, no hope. Holy Spirit, come and strengthen them today. Fill them to overflowing, we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's sing along as Jared leads us, but open your mouth, lift your voice, lift your words. Don't sit back waiting for anything else. Just sing out to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to touch your life. Thank you, Lord.